Welcome to A.T. Stewart and Sons Ministries. I'm your host, A.T. Stewart. I'm glad you've chosen to join us today as we look into the Word of God. So take your Bibles and let's hang out in God's Word for a few moments and see what God would say to us today. Take your Bibles, make your way over to the book of Revelation, chapter 12. Much has been made of the war on terror. We hear about it. We're continually updated on how things are going uh, in Afghanistan and in Iraq. Some news came out the past week that is even more alarming as we find out that Iran, whose president has declared that he wants to destroy the United States and he wants to destroy Israel, And we found out that he is building a plant to enrich uranium uh, on an army base that was for two unknown, a secret plant in addition to the one he already has. The head of the nuclear program in Pakistan that led them to their nuclear weapons admits he has sold to the Iranians for millions of dollars plans uh, to build nuclear weapons. Many of the experts now believe that sometime within the next year or two that Iran will have the capability of nuclear weapons. As alarming as this is, I want to talk to you about a warfare that is even more alarming. A warfare that has greater consequences. The war on terror has physical consequences, but the spiritual war that we're talking about has eternal consequences. Because there is a sworn enemy who is after you and your family. And on the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, he is out to rob and to kill and to destroy. He wants to rob you of the joy of your salvation. He wants to destroy your walk with the Lord and therefore your testimony. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children. He desires to destroy this church. But our God has not left us defenseless. In fact, He has given us everything we need to be able to enforce the victory that He won at Calvary over this fiend of hell, the devil, and his demons. We are looking at some of the spiritual weapons in our spiritual arsenal that we can use as we overcome the enemy. And in Revelation chapter 12, we have three weapons mentioned in this passage. We've already looked at the first two, uh, the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Today we shall look at the last one, in this passage, and that is our total commitment, our total unreserved commitment. We're reading in verse 10 through verse 12 of Revelation chapter 12. In respect for the Word of God, let me ask you to stand as I read. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of His Christ has come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accuses them before our God day and night. 
And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their testimony. And they did not love their life even when faced with death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. You may be seated. Our weapon today is summed up in those words. They did not love their life even when faced with death. And we want to begin by asking two questions. What does this phrase mean, first of all? And then why is it such a powerful weapon against Satan? First of all, what does it mean? They did not love their life even when faced with death. These Christians overcame Satan because they did not put their own lies before their loyalty, before their commitment and obedience to Christ. Simply put, this spiritual weapon is our total unreserved commitment to Jesus. We are willing to die rather than to betray or deny Jesus. We are willing to give our lives rather than to disobey our Lord. Jesus spoke about this weapon over in John chapter 12. And Jesus said there in those verses, He says, He who loves his life loses it. And he who hates his life in this world shall keep it to eternal life. Jesus says, he who loves his life. What does he mean by that? He who loves his self-life, who embraces his selfishness. We all have that part of our life that wants to do what we want to do. We want to control things. You might call it, Pride, you might call it selfishness or the self-life, the old man. But it's that part of us that wants to do what we want to do. Jesus says if we embrace that part of our life, we're going to lose in the long run. But yet he who hates his life, in other words, he who loves Jesus and what Jesus desires so much that even his own life is considered hating his life, shall gain his life, shall gain eternal life. Because when we love Jesus so much that the way we feel about our own life is like we hate it, we desire to obey Jesus so much, we're so committed to follow him that we're willing even to die for it, this gives evidence that we have eternal life. And so he who loses his life, who hates his life, will keep it. Because it gives proof positive that we have been born again into the kingdom of God. Now Jesus again speaks about this total commitment in Mark's gospel, chapter 8. When he says, he who loves his life shall lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels shall save it. Again, Jesus is saying that The important thing is that we be committed to Him and to His will for our lives. 
that when we really love Him and we're willing to give all up to serve Him, this is proof positive of our eternal life, that actually our life is saved because we're willing to sacrifice all for the kingdom of God. Truly, any Christian who desires to follow Christ and be mightily used of Him must come to this point of total commitment. Total unreserved commitment to Jesus Christ. Jesus says in Luke chapter 9, when He talks about being a disciple, He says, if Anyone wishes to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. These are words of unreserved commitment. Let him deny himself. Say no to what you want. Say no to your self-life. Say no to your desires. Say no to your own goals and ambitions. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. Remember, the cross was an instrument of death. It's like the electric chair. Wearing a little electric chair around your neck would remind you you are to die to yourself daily. You are to die to what you want daily. You are to die to your goals daily. You are to die to your selfishness daily. That's total unreserved commitment to Christ. If you want to be a disciple, you must deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow Him. Not go your way, not Him following you, but you following Him. Again, total commitment. Giving up all to follow Christ. And so Jesus spoke clearly and repeatedly of this necessity for total commitment among His disciples. So it is a total, unreserved commitment to follow Christ, no matter what the cost, no matter what the sacrifice. Next question, why is it such a powerful weapon against Satan? First of all, because we must be more committed to succeed for God's glory than Satan is to stop us. That simple. Remember, Satan is very determined, very persistent. He doesn't take any holidays. He takes no days off. And if we're not more determined than he is, then he will defeat us. He's constantly seeking to bring disappointments and frustrations and problems into our life. He wants to wear us down and wear us out. He tries to put obstacles up at every turn when we want to serve God. And if you're not totally committed, you'll just quit and give up. But if you have this total unreserved commitment, you will persevere no matter what the cost, no matter what the obstacle, no matter how difficult it is. If you're totally committed, you'll persevere by God's grace. You'll be like that frog that found himself in a bucket of cream. And he jumped trying to get out, but he couldn't get up. He was splashing in the cream, but he kept on, and he kept on, and he kept on, and he kept on, until that cream became butter. 
because he kept turning it. And then he was able to jump out. And that story may not be true, but it makes a point, doesn't it? Persevere. Don't give up. Don't quit. No matter what the problem No matter what the obstacles, keep on keeping on because you are committed even to die if necessary for God's will. Now, Jesus had this total commitment to suffer and die on the cross for God's glory and for our salvation. Satan did not want Jesus to die for the sins of his people. He continually tried to dissuade Jesus to stop him from going to the cross. One clear example is over in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. That passage that many of us remember because of the confession that Peter made on that road to Caesarea Philippi. When Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Great confession. Jesus said, hey, Peter, you didn't come up with this on your own. The Father revealed it to you. And then Jesus took that occasion, as we pick up on at verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised up on the third day. But Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, God forbid it, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me, for you're not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. Jesus was saying, it's necessary that I go and I suffer and I die. But Satan, not wanting that, inspired Peter. And Peter said, no, no, it can't be. Never let it happen, God. This is not the way it should happen. But Jesus, recognizing immediately that this was an attack of Satan, He pulled on his total unreserved commitment and said, Get behind me, Satan, because you do not have your interest on the things of God. Jesus was attacked yet again in John chapter 12 by the enemy as Jesus was anticipating his upcoming crucifixion in just a few days. And we pick up as he is speaking and and thinking and He says, now my soul has become troubled because he's thinking about what he's going to have to go through, bearing the weight of the guilt of the sins of his people for all times. He who knew no sin being made sin on our behalf. He said, what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came out of heaven. I have both glorified it and I will glorify it again. Do you catch the significance of this passage? As Jesus is anticipating the agony and the pain and the spiritual pain of the cross. And Satan comes and says, take another way. Go another way. And he says, what can I say? Father, save me from this. But yet, it's for this purpose that I came. That's his total commitment. I came to die. The only thing that matters is that God be glorified. That's 
the total commitment that God, whether I live or whether I die, is immaterial. The only thing that matters is that you are glorified in my life. I'm here for your glory. Jesus overcame him because he did not love his life even when faced with death. Oh, but Satan is persistent. He didn't give up. He even comes to Jesus when he is in the Garden of Gethsemane as his crucifixion is only hours away. And he's praying. And he is in such turmoil and stress that his sweat is becoming his blood. He is at the point of death. He is so stressed and burdened. And we pick up our passage in Matthew 26. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Oh, the enemy was attacking him fiercely. So much so that that first part of his prayer, Lord, if there's any way, God, if there's any way, Father, that I don't have to go through this. But then before he could even pause, but not my will, but your will be done. That's total commitment. Not what I want, but your will, even if it means death. But Satan didn't give up then. A few moments later, he attacks our Lord Jesus again. As we see in that same chapter, he went away again a second time and prayed, saying, My Father, if this cannot pass away unless I drink it, your will be done. He overcame the attacks of the enemy. Because he did not love his life even when faced with death. Jesus used the weapon of total commitment. Paul knew what it was to use the weapon of total commitment against the enemy. As he was coming to the end of his third missionary journey, he was talking to the leaders at Ephesus. And he was convinced that he must go to Jerusalem and that he would never see these elders again. He didn't know exactly what awaited him, but every indication he'd had from the Spirit was it would be suffering and it would be pain. There we pick up our passage in Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 22. And now behold, bound by the Spirit, Paul says, I am on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. The enemy kept attacking him. You go to Jerusalem, you're going to suffer. You're going to be bound. You're going to be persecuted. What was Paul's defense? What was his weapon? Verse 24, But I do not consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course in the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify solemnly of the gospel of the grace of God. Paul says, I don't care what awaits me. It may mean death. I only care to finish the ministry that God's given me. 
He overcame him because he did not love his life even when faced with death. Again, as Paul went to Caesarea and he met with Philip in his home, and as he was there with Philip, uh, a prophet, Agabus, came and he took Paul's belt and he bound his own hands and feet with it. And the Spirit of God came on him and he prophesied, He who owns this belt will be bound and handed over to the Gentiles in Jerusalem. Well, when that word came out, these Christians, these friends of Paul started crying and weeping and saying, Paul, don't go, don't go. And how did Paul answer this attack? Then Paul said, What are you doing weeping? And breaking my heart. For I am ready not only to be bound, but even to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. That is total commitment. He did not love his life even when faced with death. Why is this such a powerful weapon? It's such a powerful weapon because we must be more committed to succeed for the glory of God than Satan is to stop us. The second reason it is such a powerful weapon is because in dying for Christ, we gain life's greatest victory over Satan. The martyrs throughout history proclaim this truth. When we remain loyal to Jesus, even at the cost of our life, Satan suffers the greatest defeat since Calvary. When at the point of death, we refuse to deny our Lord and embrace Him even more, we die forever victorious and Satan suffers his great defeat. He suffers defeat because he has no more chances to tempt the Christian martyr. He suffers defeat because the martyr gives the greatest testimony the world knows. He's willing to die for his love for Christ. And Satan suffers defeat because the martyr's total commitment will be forever an inspiration to other believers throughout history. Stephen, the first Christian martyr, gave such a word of testimony. His total commitment enabled him to gain ultimate victory over the enemy. You remember as he was speaking there before the Sanhedrin, and we pick up our passage in verse 54 of Acts 7. Now when they heard this, that is the Sanhedrin, they were cut to the quick. And they began gnashing their teeth at him, that is at Stephen, and being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens open up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. And when they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they went on stoning Stephen as he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Having said this, he fell asleep. 
Who gained the victory on that day? Did Satan gain the victory or Stephen? Forever, Stephen's total commitment has been an inspiration to Christians. Now let's look at some an example from history. And you can look throughout history and see men and women who are willing to die for the cause of Jesus Christ. Who when faced with death, they did not love their life. They were willing to die for Jesus. We have present day martyrs. A fellow that you have before you, his name is Hussein. And he is from Iran. Several years ago, Hussein was like many Iranians. He was spiritually lost. He was depressed. He was discouraged. He was a drug addict. He was a patron of the prostitutes. He was so depressed he became suicidal and decided to kill himself. He came up with a plan. He would get high on ecstasy and then he would throw himself off of a tall building. He didn't have any problem finding the tall building, but he was having some difficulty finding the ecstasy. So he got in contact with an old army buddy of his that he knew was into drugs. And he said, I need to get some ecstasy. And his old army buddy said, I've got something new. Come and meet with me. Well, he was thinking, maybe this is some new drug even better than ecstasy. So when he met with his old army buddy, his army buddy began to tell him of a, an elixir known as Jesus. And he shared with him about how Jesus had changed his life. And they spent about two hours talking together. And then they left. His army buddy called him up and said, I've sent you a package. When he got the package, he opened it up and it was a New Testament. So Hussein began to read that New Testament. But he didn't quite understand it. And so... His friend got him together with some other Christians and they began to look at the Scriptures. And he was looking at the Scriptures with these friends and, and this one girl said, you know, I was suicidal. I wanted to kill myself until I came to Jesus. I gave all my pain to Jesus. Why don't you give your pain to Jesus? And Hussein said, well, I don't see any reason why not. And so he gave his pain to Jesus and he said, suddenly he began to feel that Things had lifted, and he began to sense a difference in his life, and he experienced salvation. He sensed God calling him to ministry, but he knew the price that one had to pay to be a minister in Iran, and so he shied away from it. And then a year or so later, he was at a church retreat at the sea, and he said he couldn't swim. He said, in his own testimony, he said, my swimming is so bad that I drown when I take a shower. But it didn't look like there were any waves, and so he went, ventured out into the ocean ankle deep, and everything seemed to be okay. So then he went knee deep, and all of a sudden the sand gave way, and he began to drown. And he just said, God, Jesus, if you'll just save me, if you'll give me one more chance, I'll serve you. And about that time, he felt these Four men picking him up, these lifeguards lifting him right up out of the water. And they said to him, we, we had looked like you were such a strong swimmer, we didn't believe that you would pull us under, and so we rescued you. And when he came out, he went to his church leadership and he said, 
I'm going into ministry. They said, no, you, you don't, don't, don't rush into this. There is a tremendous price to be paid. You're just all excited because God just delivered you from death. You, you take time to think about this. But he would not be dissuaded. He went into his boss and said, I'm quitting. His boss offered to give him a promotion. He said, no. He sold his car. He paid off all of his debts. And he said to the church leadership, I don't care what it costs. Even if I die, I want to serve my Lord. And so they put him into an apprenticeship with a pastor and his family. He said God began to just do miraculous things. They went to, in South Iran, they went to a home. And as they entered in the home, this teenage girl just started crying. And they didn't understand it. And she said, last night I had a dream and Jesus came to me. And he said that three people would come. And I saw you three sitting at the table talking to me in my dream last night. And she got saved. Hussein said it seemed like everybody he talked to got saved. And then he went to a, a Bible study where ten women had gathered together to study the Scriptures. And he was there. And as he was there, the secret police of Iran, of Iran broke in and they had the Christian literature all around and they took him in the back room and they handcuffed him and put him in shackles and they began to gather up all the materials that they had there. Any one item, Christian literature or a Bible, any one thing was enough for them to get to capital punishment. He said they took some of the ladies and they took him and they put him in a, a white van unmarked and drove him away. And they took him to this building and took him down into the basement. And they began to interrogate him. And he said it was this one guy that if he didn't answer the question the way the guy wanted, the guy would hit him. And then they threw him into a, a cell that he said was the size of a large bathroom. No toilet, no sink, no bed. With two floodlights and one stayed on all the time. He said the guards would throw water onto the floor to make it so cold he couldn't even sleep on it. And for ten days they interrogated him off and on, and they hit him, and they threatened him. And He was afraid that those girls were going to, to break and, and give the names of the church leaders. And he said as he was just in terror, he heard this voice say, let's pray together. And he realized it was the voice of Jesus. And he says it was like hearing water. And what he meant was he heard the voice audibly. It wasn't just in his heart. And he said, Jesus began to talk to him and say, what are you afraid of? You know you're going to die eventually. And if you die sooner for me, you just have a bigger crown in heaven. Haven't you been taught that when you close your eyes in death, you're opening them up to me? And then God's peace flooded his soul. And then after 10 days, he was taken out of that solitary isolation and taken to death row. Level 11 death row where there are 250 inmates who took their orders from the gang leaders there, not the guards. So he prayed. He said, God, I'm looking to you. One of the gang leaders came up to him the first day and said, we want to see you in the bathroom 
at 12 tonight. He didn't know what was going to happen. He just prayed and prayed and prayed. When he went to the shower at 12, the gang leaders were there, and they said, we want you to communicate back to your friends in America what's happening in this prison. He didn't know anybody in America, he said, but he said, I'll do what I can. He said they began to treat him like royalty. They put him on a top bunk. He said other guys had been in there five years and never gotten a top bunk. He said they gave him the fresh fruits and vegetables. They gave him a private shower. And he could get to use the phone, and so he called his family. In fact, the guards came and offered to take him to a, a place that was less drastic. And he said, no, I want to stay here. And once he could call his family, they were able to get the deed to their house and go and post bail for him. And he got released. The interviewer who wrote the article in uh, The Voice of the Martyrs magazine was talking to Hussein, and he said, what plans are you making for the next time you're called on to suffer for Jesus? His answer was, well, one of two things will happen. Either they will kill me, or God will do more miraculous events like he did this time. And then he looked the interviewer right in the eye, and he said, which one is bad? Do you have this total commitment to Christ? Are you willing to serve Him even at the cost of your life? They overcame Him because they did not love their life even when faced with death. Let's pray. Father, we thank You that we have that testimony of the biblical characters as well as many of those in history who've been willing to suffer death for your glory, who overcame the most fierce attacks of Satan because they were willing to die rather than betray or deny you. May you give us that grace that we would be totally committed to you to serve you here at Westside with this unreserved commitment to sacrifice our time, to sacrifice our money, to sacrifice our abilities, to sacrifice our self-life, that we might serve you to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.